Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 112 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by my partner in crime, the ever-elusive Mr. Ayaz Sumra, return of the Mac, as they say. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey, and yourself? Very good, my friend. Good to be back? Oh, yes, definitely good to be back. You know, the show the show goes on without eyes sometimes, but it just does not feel the same. I'm glad that the big man's back. Let's start with the reviewing, though. This time we're going to start in the Devonish Complex in Belfast, Northern Ireland. The card that went under the radar a little bit, I think. I didn't know it was going on. I don't think it was televised. Um... Phil Sutcliffe Jr., he picked up a TKO in round three against a guy who was 7-0 and undefeated. The guy was down in the first round and twice in that third round. So a good win there for Phil Sutcliffe Jr. He's now 14-2. and Steve Collins Jr. moved to 12 wins. He's got one loss and one draw. It was a points win over six rounds against a guy who, well, he had a poor record. He was a journeyman, to be honest. I'm not even going to say that record there. Um, also on this bill, Comrade Cummins picked up a win as well. So he's now 13-1 and one with one draw. He beat a guy called Norbert Cesares, who is also a real serious journeyman. Both uh, his opponent and Steve Collins Jr.'s opponent, over 100 losses between the two guys there, so you can work that out for yourselves. Moving over now to the Mediterranean House in the Five Dock in New South Wales, Australia. That is my type of venue. Friend of the show, Billy Dibb, former world champion, 42-4. and four. He fought a guy called Fum Kunmat, who is 24 and 22 with two draws. Um, I've had a little look at this guy's record, Kunmat, and he actually has never beaten anybody with a winning record. So that is quite staggering. Billy Dibb, surprisingly, didn't get the knockout here, despite Kunmat, I think he was, maybe he'd been stopped 10 times in 22 losses. Billy Dibb actually took him the distance. He won every round, though. He pitched a shutout, an eight-round unanimous decision every single round to Billy Dibb on all three judges' scorecards. He's now 43-4. and four. He's just kind of treading water, I suppose, until he gets the winner of... Agawa and Tevin Farmer, which we'll talk about later on in the show. It's happening this Saturday. Right, moving over now to Germany. One fight on this bill to mention. Ashley Fiafane, 40-8 with one draw in his 50th pro contest against a guy called Pata Vardushvili, who is of Georgian descent. I think he's from Georgia. Anyway, both guys quite... Um, Interestingly, I suppose is the right word. Fought for the German international super welterweight title. It was on the line. It was vacant as well. A retirement in round seven for Vardushvili. So Ashley Fiafane, he's the new German international super welterweight champion in his 50th fight. He's now 41 and eight with one draw. Um, I don't know how the fight went or anything like that, but I'm happy for Ashley Fearfane. Moving over now to the Brentwood Centre in Brentwood, Essex. David Price fought on this bill. He moved to 22 wins. He's got four losses. It was a points win over six rounds against Camille Sokolowski. Um, yeah, Sokolowski... 
you know, he's he's got a poor looking record, but he's actually a decent fighter from what um, a lot of people say about him. David Price, I didn't watch the fight. I think it was maybe streamed on iFilm London, I think. I think you could watch it on YouTube for free, but I didn't see the fight at all. But from what I've heard, apparently David Price really didn't look too good there. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that one over in the Brentwood Centre, but I'm happy that David Price got the win, of course. Moving over now to the Leicester Arena in Leicestershire, United Kingdom. couple fights to mention on this bill. This was the one that was shown, half of the card was shown on Spike, half the card was shown on Channel 5. I'm going to start down the bill a little bit. Let's talk about Chantelle Cameron. She moved to 5-0. and oh. She got a win over Vivian Obernauf, who was 12-3 and three going in, now 12-4. and four. Obernauf's corner actually pulled her out after six rounds. It was scheduled for 10 two-minute rounds. It was for the vacant IBO World Female Lightweight title as well. Um, I mean, what we should basically note, I suppose, on this fight was the fact that Chantelle Cameron... You know, her opponent here, Obernauf, her corner pulled her out, as I said, and that same opponent, Obernauf, actually took Katie Taylor the distance, so that was quite, you know, a statement there from Chantel Cameron, and hopefully we see the, I don't want to say grudge match, but you know what I mean, hopefully we see the two collide at some point in the, in the near future, Chantel Cameron and Katie Taylor, I'm all for that fight. Also on the bill, Jermaine Smile, he was in another decent fight here, his record 14-7 and seven now with two draws and the winner in this one Lennox Clark he moved to 16 and 0 with one draw it was for the vacant IBO Continental Super Middleweight title smile actually he touched down in in round 9 so he was given a count it was a 10-8 round there it was a, uh, a 10 round unanimous decision for Lennox Clark I didn't really see much of that fight but from what I've heard it's, it's supposed to have been quite a good fight but the little bits I saw it, it seemed to be you know quite decent Jermaine Smile always um, you know back to back now he's been in these interesting and very exciting fights also on that bill Luke the Duke Watkins the man who's been trained by Paddy Fitz Patrick, he moved to 13 and 0. He took on a guy called Mike Stafford. Mike Stafford, real nice guy, by the way. Mike Stafford, I think he's had a few injuries, and you know he's he's been very unfortunate. Mike Stafford now 16 and 4. Stafford was also cut below the left eye late in the sixth round. Luke the Duke Watkins successfully defended his Commonwealth Cruiserweight title. Mike Stafford's corner actually stopped it in the eighth round. Well after the 8th round, so it was a retirement on the stall. Um, You know, Luke Watkins, in his last couple fights, he's kind of emerging for me as a little bit of a slow starter, not necessarily losing the first few rounds, but he he seems like he kind of warms into the fight as it goes on. Mike Stafford obviously landed a few good shots early on in the fight, and, and Luke, for a few rounds after the rocky start, for a few rounds he just absolutely smashed the body of Stafford, slowed him down, ultimately forcing his corner to pull him out. And for me, I was really impressed with that. I think, you know, a young fighter, obviously, you know, not not so experienced in Luke Watkins. He's he's one of those guys coming through. It's, it's you know, a cruiserweight um, fighter that we're talking about here who's coming through kind of at that domestic sort of level. We've got quite a few guys in and around that level. He's one of them. And, um... You know, I'm really impressed with him, man. His last couple of fights, he showed he's got quite a good boxing brain. And, you know, just just the way the fight went to, to sort of 
take a few good shots early and then to just target the body and it was just real um you know and a real example of ring intelligence ring smarts there to 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 not go for the headshots all the time but to slow his man down and that's what he did he's got a good engine as well luke watkins i think as the fight goes on he, he seems to wear his opponents down a lot um so yeah he got the win but once again i mean he didn't look super invincible he just looked very clever in there hopefully we can see him match with somebody um you know, notable in the near future. Maybe the winner of Chamberlain and Akoli next year. I'd like to see that one for me. Um, also on this bill, Anthony Yidget, 20 and 0 with one draw, took on Joe Hughes. Joe Hughes, 15 and 2 with one draw. It was for the EBU super lightweight title, obviously, Anthony Yidget's belt. I, I, I watched the little promo thing that they did before the fight on Joe Hughes. I had no idea, um, you know, that he, he's got some kind of disability and, you know, he's he can't... He can't actually throw certain punches right. Like, I don't think he, he can throw the right uppercut and stuff like that. And, you know, it limits what he can do. And against a guy like Yiji, I just thought to myself, you know, he's going to probably get battered. But to my surprise, Joe Hughes came out in the first few rounds and really bossed it, actually. You know, he really, really came to fight Joe Hughes. And he put in a great account of himself. But unfortunately for him, over the course of the fight, the champion really um, came through and, and, and won the fight pretty clearly. He ended up with a unanimous decision over 12 rounds. I think the scorecards might have been a little bit wide, to be honest, in my opinion. But yeah, Josh Taylor was ringside. He would have been licking his lips there. I think he will probably stop Yijit, if I'm honest. But I like Yijit, you know, and the, the pair of them, Taylor and Yijit, have both got a little bit of previous, you know. I think they fought in the amateurs. I think Josh Taylor got the win there. So that perhaps sets up a decent European-level fight there between the pair. But there is talks of Anthony Yijit moving down in weight, so that will be interesting. Moving over now to the Madison Square Garden, MSG, New York, USA. We're going to start with the undercard here. Zachary Ochoa, he picked up a win. He's now 18-1. and one. It was a unanimous decision against Eric Martinez over six rounds, that one. Uh, also on this bill, Ray Vargas again. I hate to keep mentioning it. The guy that beat Gavin McDonnell. He moved to 31-0. and 0. He took on the previously undefeated 17-0, and 0, now 17-1, and 1, Oscar Negrete. This one was for the WBC World Super Bantamweight title race. Vargas's title. Now I watched this fight, and what what you know what surprised me about it was Ray Vargas. I've never seen him rip into the body the way he was. I mean, he just kept ripping into the body, and he was made to fight early doors. Negrete was coming forward. He was putting it on Ray Vargas. You know, Ray Vargas as well. He doesn't really. I don't think he fights well going backwards too much. So he was made to fight. He was um, you know trading really with with um, Negrete kind of from from the first bell. But yeah. Some real brutal, real brutal looking body shots landed by Vargas. Um, as I say, you know, Negrete was was coming forward a lot, backing Vargas up. Um, what I didn't really like was Vargas continuously kept complaining to the referee, you know, those those looks and the hand gestures and stuff like that. I think the referee was a little bit harsh on Negrete because for me, a lot of Vargas's body shots were, I mean, a lot were on the borderline, but I think some of them were quite low and they weren't called by the ref and Negrete didn't complain and stuff like that. But I think if he did, there, you know, there could have been maybe even a point took off because it seemed to just be consistent low blows. Just under, I'm not saying like right in the nuts, I'm saying just underneath the belt line, he could have um, complained about it and something would have had to happen. Um, 
yeah, Vargas was cut deep on both of his eyes. The doctors, you know, came and had a look a few times. Um, Negrete slowed down a bit towards the end of the fight. Vargas was able to do enough to win a few rounds in a row, and ultimately he seemed like the rightful winner. And it was at the very end of things, it was really you know a routine kind of defense for, for Vargas with one or two rocky moments along the way. But yeah, definitely the rightful winner. I quite like Vargas. I think he's he's massive for the weight. I mean, the size difference was unbelievable between them both. But the one thing that stands out about Vargas is he's got one of those famous, very spotty backs, which, you know, that raises question marks about um, performance-enhancing drugs. So I hope that... Um, He's just got a bad case of acne on his back, but yeah, I mean, that's that's never a good sign. Now, the main event, Miguel Cotto, 41-5. He took on Saddam Ali, 25-1. Um, the WBO World Super Welterweight title was at stake, of course, Miguel Cotto's belt. Um, what I saw from this fight, eyes, and I'm going to come over to you in just a moment, I saw Cotto, you know, he kept eating left hooks pretty much you know, pretty much early doors, really. He got rocked in uh, the second round and the fourth round. And I-, I tweeted on Twitter, I think maybe a day before or whatever, I-, I tweeted on Twitter that when Mayweather briefly retired on the Berto fight, it was very anticlimactic. And this fight kind of felt a little bit the same. Now, the difference... The, the little difference between the two situations there was... I know lots of people uh, agree with me on this as well, that... We all knew Berto was over the hill, so for Mayweather to retire on him, it was just, we just knew that Berto didn't really have a chance in that fight. But here we saw a guy in Ali that had, you know, he'd lost his his, his main high-profile fight by a knockout to Jesse Vargas, but we possibly hadn't seen the best of him. He's still a fighter on the up, in my opinion. He fought like a hungry, hungry man in there as well. He was very confident from the first bell, and after... Five rounds, I think I either had it 4-1 or 3-2 in favour of Saddam Ali. He had a great start to the fight. Miguel, you know, when he when he showed up to the arena, he actually sat with his wife and watched one of the undercard fights. You just don't do stuff like that on a massive night like this. I think he, you know, overlooked Ali, underestimated him. And Ali got rocked in the sixth round as well. I mean, he didn't really appear to lose his legs like Cotto did both times when Cotto was, was, was clocked with a big shot. But at that point, it seemed like, you know, Cotto had, had warmed into the fight. The middle rounds were quite good rounds for Cotto, and and Ali was really second best to everything for, for you know for a few moments in that fight. Ali kept allowing Cotto to get off first every time. He kept waiting for him to come in, but he wasn't really countering with anything. And you know he basically gave away his lead. That's what it felt like. And you know he, he needed to just initiate the attacks and press the action, just like in the first few rounds. He was waiting too much. And round eleven, obviously, Ali came out absolutely firing. He outlanded Cotto by over double the punches that Cotto landed that round. And, you know, Cotto slowed down, obviously, in the in the last couple rounds. He gassed a bit. I, I felt the fight was, was pretty close. I didn't really want there to be any wide cards or any controversy. But I thought to myself, in, in reality, I thought that... Um, I thought that, that Saddam Ali probably just nicked it. I think I had it 7-5 to Ali after the fight. But I was happy to see no controversy. And the right man got the decision for me. What did you make of that one, Ayaz? What can I say, first of all, yeah? Before the fight even started, I, thought, I I said to a lot of my friends and a lot of people, I said, I'll go, I'll tell you one thing, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to go for a Miguel Cotto win. He's fine in his favourite place, New York City, Madison Square Garden. What can I say? Saddam Ali, wow, what? Well done to him, first of all, winning the WBO light middleweight title. 
he boxed very, very, very well on the night. He gave, he he hurt Miguel Cotto a couple of times as well. With that, he gave him a left hooks, the right hands, and that. And obviously, Saddam Ali performed. He performed very good on the night. Now that he's won the world title, um, he's mandatory to fight Liam Smith for the uh, Liam Smith. So, in my opinion, he's gonna fight Liam Smith next. But this fight, yeah, he did. Um, he did very good. I like I said, I wrote Saddam Ali off. I did. I did. I, I didn't think he's gonna win it, but he did it. Out. Well done to him. Yeah, I think we all wrote him off, to be completely honest, mate. I mean, we asked the listeners on Twitter, we asked ourselves, our listeners went with Cotto by knockout. Um, you know, me and you, as went with Cotto to win by points, and we were, I mean, we weren't too far away, I suppose, with the points thing. But yeah, no point in that fight that he looked like he was going to knock um, Saddam Ali out. And Saddam Ali showed up on the biggest night of his career, so I made up for him. But yeah, the Liam Smith fight, I think that's, you know, that's possibly a fight that Frank Warren could put the money up and get over here. I think that's a very big possibility that Saddam Ali in his first defence may be defending possibly in the Echo Arena or, well, that's that would be the right place to have it, but you never know, it could be a copper box show. Um... And I, I probably favour Saddam Ali over Liam Smith. I think Saddam Ali's got great legs. I think he moves really well. I don't think that Liam Smith's too great with people that can move well. That's just my um, little insight on the way I look at things with that fight. But no, I think um, it should be a good fight, man. It really should be. Hopefully it happens in the UK. It'd be good to get Saddam Ali over here. And I'd like to see Liam Smith regain a world title. But that wraps up the reviewing with gone through that as quick as possible it's now time to welcome just before we close out part one it's time to welcome our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the current wbo european champion and also the wbo intercontinental champion it's of course the beast mr anthony yard anthony welcome back on the show how are you bro all good my man you yeah, fantastic, man. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Right, so Anthony, we last spoke in July, just after your win over Richard Barangi. Obviously, since then, you fought just the once. You defeated Norbert Nemesapati back in September, a fight I was ringside for. Now, once again, I'd just like to remind the uh, the, the, the listeners that, um, you know, Nemesapati was obviously a guy that Callum Smith fought in his 21st fight. Anthony Durrell fought him in his 32nd fight. You fought him in your 13th fight and you got rid of him in three rounds both Callum Smith and Anthony Durrell both took six rounds to dispatch of him you got him done in half the time they did I know you don't like to really be compared too much Anthony but deep down you must have yeah. thought to yourself yeah baby <laughs> <laughs> no um not not really not really because um again I'm like I'm, on, I'm in my own little bubble so um where I hear all these other names and they're saying to me, oh, um, this guy has done this to this person, or this is what this person did. Um, I'm just focusing myself on my own journey. So, um, you know, if I was if I was thinking about that, you know, I might not have done it in the third round. Um, that's sometimes how it works. Sometimes when you overthink things or you try and do something too much, it don't work out. It's like my opponent, my opponent coming up has never been knocked out. Um, my opponent, Nicola Sokoka. He'd never been knocked out before, and he's only lost four times. And the only people he's lost to again was Callum Smith. He went 12 rounds with Callum Smith, um, 12 rounds with everyone else, basically. But he's never been knocked out. And um, fought Saki Abika, Arthur Abraham. You know, he fought some some good names. And again, he's never been knocked out. So his last fight, he had a draw with the current EBU champion. Yeah, EBU European champion. 
So, um, again, I'm not going out there saying I need to make a statement, but nothing about when the guard do my thing. As you all know, um, knockouts at this stage in my career is my thing. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be trying to get a knockout, but I'm not going to be listening to it. Yeah, of course, of course. But since your last fight, obviously you had a little bit of a situation where you were ordered by the board to fight Hosea Burton. And I remember at the time, Eddie Hearn did an interview and he said, I bet you any money, tomorrow Anthony Yard will pull out of that fight. And Eddie Hearn was right about that and it made you look a little bit bad because he kind of predicted what was going to happen. But of course, yeah. it wasn't for the reasons that Eddie Hearn made it out to be. You know, there was, you know, people were trying to say that you were kind of running scared of Hosea Burton. We know that's not the case. What was your side? Yeah. Side of the story on that, Anthony. Uh, well, basically, Eddie Hearn needs a business man. If he wants to make someone look bad, he can, because he knows the ins and outs of the game. Um, you know, he's a, he's a top promoter. So, um, Jose Burns, he's fighter. And uh, what the real story about this situation is, is um, the guy, I forgot his name, I think it's Gallagher, I forgot his name, the guy that trained Jose Burton, um, he put that to the board. Because the fight was building up between me and Bugaloni, and, um, you know, Jose Burton felt like he was being left out. They went to the board and said, oh, we feel as if um, there should be a final eliminator between Anthony Yard and Jose Burton, um, a guy that, that Bukalone recently knocked out. Um, we think there should be a final eliminator. So, again, um, I, w- I was like, cool, let's, make, let's, let's, let's get this popping. But then when I spoke to Frank Warren and Tony Ajayi, um, they made more sense of it. That for me, they said it don't work like that. They said, really and truly, the Bugaloni fight again, us like it's good to pick up a British title, that's why it makes sense. But at the end of the day, that's not the direction we're going. We're going towards a world title and we're on path. And then they showed me all the statistics, showed me my ranking compared to theirs, and all these other things, all these other facts. And um, it made sense to me. I said, it's true, me stopping a fight for pride or having a domestic fight at this level, which in my opinion won't elevate me any quicker than I'm going already. Um, you know, after I fight Shikoka, I think I'll be five with the WBO and I'll have a top to ranking with more world ranking attention and body. So again, um, that's why sometimes you've got to let go of your ego and trust trust in the knowledge of the people around you. Um, Eddie Hearn, on the, on, on the other hand, um, if he was my promoter, on the other hand, not sure if he would go the same route, but business-wise and sense-wise, my decision makes sense. If Jose Burton had something to bring to the table, then we would have made that fight happen in a split second. When Bugaloni called up my name, we wasn't we wasn't even looking at Bugaloni. We called him we asked to fight him in my in my eight seven for seven for eight fight, he turned it down. Um and then the public put pressure on Bugaloni to say fight into the yard. I think it was after I fought um uh Chris Hobbs. And then he put on his social media after I fight Ricky Summers. I think the post is still about somewhere. I will have I have no problem dealing with Anthony Yard. So again, he brought up this whole thing of Anthony Yard and Bugaloni, and then tried to fob me off. So again, it's promoters, isn't it? Promoter promotes both Bugaloni and Jose Burton. Um, to me, it makes sense for me to fight. Why would I be scared of fighting Jose Burton? When I'm looking to fight the guy that knocked him out, it don't make well, people are just it don't make sense. It's about ranking and boxing. Of course, of course. So your next fight is this Saturday, as you mentioned, at the Copper Box, which in many ways, Anthony, has really become your new home. Your last few fights have been there. It's not too far from you know where you reside. Is that your favourite venue now, Anthony? Well, right now, yeah, 
definitely. Um, I grew up in Stratford. Um, literally today, I was at my old area, um, Stratford, like literally just over the bridge behind Stratford Station. Um, I visited my old area where I grew up and where I spent my early days, I like to call it. I left there when I was about 15. So I saw a lot there. I went through a lot of experiences there. And I done. I went there to do a, um, a little interview. And um, yeah, brought back a lot of memories, man. So again, got that little fire burning in my belly again. And um, just keeping me focused. And you'll be taking on, as you said, Nikolaj Vetlocker. I think that's how it's said. Now, you always turn your opponent's names into food. Have you managed to do it with this one? <laughs> uh, his name's a bit a bit tricky. <laughs> so for my last few fights, I've had Chris Hobbs, who is um, Chocolate Hobnobs. <laughs> um, we had, um, what's his name? Richard Biryani. Biryani, which was Chicken Biryani. We had um, Nemesapati, Chicken Patty. Um, and then now we've got Nicola Sokoka. So we can have, we can call him Nicola Cola Shalobster. <laughs> or we could just call him the Coca Cola because it's that just easy. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I like that one. I like the uh, Shvet Lobster. I like that. <laughs> I actually came up with that. I actually came up with that just yesterday. I think you might be nicking <laughs> yeah, that off yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You might be nicking that off me. All right. Um, yeah, so your opponent, obviously. Um, I want to just kind of give a little backstory on him. At one point, he was 25-0. and 0. He's now 32-4 and 4 with one draw. He's never been knocked out, as you said. He lost on points to Callum Smith, um, world champion Tyrone Zoiga, former world champion Arthur Abraham, former world champion Sakio Bika. All of those guys, of course, you know, they've been world champions. And the other guy, Callum Smith, many feel that he's going to become a world champion. So this guy is no mug. In his most recent fight, he... He got a draw, a split draw against Robert Stieglitz, who once again is another solid fighter, another former world champion. It was for the uh, for the European title as well. And what I want to say, Anthony, is obviously, originally, a lot of people were quite unhappy with this fight being made. But when you look at his record, this is your toughest opponent by a country mile. He's mixed it at a higher level than you. Higher, higher level than you. He's a taller man. And as we said, never been knocked out. He's had triple the amount of fights of that, that you've had almost. Um, this isn't a walk in the park like many people thought it was. Exactly. You know, a lot of people, you know, the, way, the thing I've learned being in boxing is this. Um, the people with the, the worst or the most negative opinions are people that have never been in a boxing ring before, um, don't box themselves, have no, not the slightest knowledge of boxing. All they do is like to see a, a terror. Um, even when there's a boxing match going on, they don't know the ins and outs of what's actually happening in the ring. They're just waiting for a punch to land. So I've learned to block out anything negative that I've said because from I've started my professional career, it's only been positive. Everything I've done has been positive. Um, I've moved a lot faster than you know. If you if you had a if you had a, a not even addiction, if you had a manual in front of me and they said go this this is how you go towards it, I've taken a big shortcut. You know, I've, I've skipped. So again, for me to be fighting a guy of this experience at this stage in my career, you know, that's something I have to take seriously. And um, as you said before, you know, he, he was he went 24 and 0. Again, 25 and 0. 25 and 0. Exactly. He went 25 and 0. And um, since then, he's 34 and 2 or something like that. And um, 34 and 4 or something like that. That's, 32 that's again, and 4, yeah. Yeah, 32 and 4. That's, that's, a, that's a decent record. And the four people he's lost against are big fighters. 
it's not like he's lost against um some journeyman or some B class fighters. Um, not even class actually. He it's not like he's lost to these low level fighters. He lost to guys again, former world champions. Um, he's lost to champions basically. Um, and two of them losses were were in um world title fights. So again, people have their say. <laughs> they sometimes they go off of body. A lot. Some people said to me, when you're gonna fight someone, that's got a six pack and that's your size. <laughs> That's when I looked at I looked at the whole I looked at every expression on that person's face and just started laughing because it shows me that people don't know nothing about boxing. As Roger Mayweather would say, well, I can't say what he would say, but you know <laughs> what he says. You know what he says. And this guy, have you um, do you know much about him as a fighter? I know, obviously, we know his record quite well. Have you watched much of him at all? I haven't. No, Rec- records don't really mean nothing to me. Um, they really don't mean nothing to me. Um, I do, I'm just one of the people, you know. I'm you know I'm fearless. If you put someone in front of me, and so be it, I'll fight them, um, and I'll just do I'll do my best, and I'll do my job. I'm not one of the people that um, go around worrying all the time or start looking into his record and look who he's fought. Oh, he's this person, he's that person. Because I have to see it as if, even though he's fought with these people, he hasn't fought me. Um, yeah, you know he'll fight me Saturday, and then you know I think it'll be a different story. But again, I'm in this entertainment business. The sport of boxing is an entertainment business, and at this stage in my career, I'm 13 and all, um, soon to be 14 and all, and um, people like knockouts. So again, if the opportunity presents itself, if they make a mistake, they have to pay. And like you said earlier, you know, you you don't really like being compared to other fighters, but there must be something inside of you that does want to become the first man to stop this guy obviously to do something that all those other let's be honest world level fighters couldn't do oh most definitely most definitely um i do want to stop him i've wanted to stop all of my opponents like so far um as i said to you before at this stage in my career it's about entertainment and people like knockouts i like knockouts as well and um yeah i feel like that's the best way to end the fight um, so I do understand that boxing is a is it has levels, and as you go up, you know, as I become seventeen and or eighteen and or nineteen and or, or even after that, um, you know, people may be different, maybe more durable, maybe skilled different, where you can't just go in there and land the shots you want to land. So you have to think more, and it takes a bit longer. So again, I understand the game of boxing. Um, I studied this sport. If I can stop <laughs> um, the Coca Cola and digest them, then and providing you get through this fight Anthony um, I know that we kind of talked a little bit about the Frank Buglioni situation he wants to fight three unbeaten fighters you know to, to, to do something that I believe no other British champions done to defend successfully against three unbeaten fighters so he has got I think yourself and Callum Johnson who's also undefeated on his radar is Frank on your radar? I know you touched on it, but is that a fight that may happen next year or do you really, in your heart of hearts, not really see it happening, seeing it get made? Well, I think it can happen. Um, I just think they've been very strategic in how they've done it, um, which is good, you know, for everybody. It's built anticipation around the fact people are, people want the fact more now. You know, every interview I've done, they've mentioned this um, Bugaloni. So, again, Bugaloni sounds like Bologna to me. So everyone knows that I love meat, <laughs> so I can <laughs> we can get we can get it cooking. 
And obviously, it's only rumours at the moment, but if they were to do a World Boxing Super Series tournament at light heavyweight, would that be something that you'd fancy? Again, most definitely. Um, but at the same time, you have a team. Me and my team haven't even spoken on that yet. We, we deal with the present. It hasn't happened yet. If it does come about, then again, that's where you have a meeting, you sit down, you talk, you look at the best routes. Is it the right time? All et cetera. You know, there's, there's, there's ways of going about it. Um, I don't think Fred may have uh, achieved what he achieved by being reckless or, you know, having no strategy or no one advising him. You know, he always shouts at Al, Al Heyman. Um, he didn't get a $100 million check twice in two fights um, by being reckless and silly. You know, he listened to the team around him, even though he's a fighter. You know, I do believe he wanted to fight Pacquiao early, but it's annoying when people keep saying you don't want to fight someone. Same thing with Canelo and Golovkin. You don't want to fight somebody. Um, but again, they got teams around them. Oscar De La Hoya fobbed up to fight for as long as he could with, with GGG. Now, again, I think that was the right time to make that fight. Now they're probably going to have a number two. Um, same thing with Floyd Neymar. Fought him. If he, they fought when everyone wanted them to fight, they would have probably made 40, 50 million. Um, they, he ended up making 250 million. So again, it, you know, people, average um, earners, or people in this normal position won't understand it. Same as myself, you know, because I'm new to the game as well. I'm like, well, oh, let's fight. But again, there's a bigger picture to it. You know, if, you, if you're a bit more strategic and you play chess, you know, you maximise your profits, you maximise, you know, the outcome. You know, everyone does. Everyone maximises. Again, the fans finally get to see it. It's more anticipation. It's more exciting looking. You wait for them to see it, etc. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And the final question I got for you now, Anthony, we like to do this. It's a bit of a rule on this show. Whenever it comes to December, and you're actually the first guy we're going to ask this question to throughout the month of December, but I want to ask you it. What is on your Christmas wish list for next year in terms of your boxing career? You know, in an in an ideal world, in a not in a fantasy world, but in a realistic world. What do, you know, where do you want to be this time next year? Oh, ne- ne- so next 2018 Christmas. Yes. Um, you know, I try not to put any any predictions out there or any or a list or anything like that. But again, I would like to be a world champion. If I can be, a, if I can become a world champion by 2018, so 50, that that would be three years of being a professional with 12 amateur fights and however many pro fights it will be at that stage. That to me sounds amazing. <laughs> so again, um. If I can do that over three years, that would be amazing. But again, you know, I'm not in no rush. Um, I believe everything's timing. And um, yeah, it's, it's a journey. Not a, It's a journey. I believe it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. Okay, listen, Anthony, it's always my pleasure speaking to you. Best of luck for Saturday. And I Thank will you. see you. I'll see you there. I'm just going to end it on this, Anthony, if you don't mind me saying. We don't get weak. We get deep. All right, my man, thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But as always, we go over to Ayaz with the latest news. He hasn't been here for the last few weeks and he's back. We've been newsless some of the time. So, Ayaz, what have you got for us this week? Is there there a lot or just a few bits? What you got? Um, Just a few bits. Uh, Starting with the first news. Uh, Tony Bellis versus David Hayes rematch. Is now to be uh, is now to happen on the on May fifth at the O2 Arena. Yes, I mean you know there's not too much to say about it. Obviously, 
you know, obviously it got cancelled due to the bicep injury that David Hayes sustained. And yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say about it. Um, you know, hopefully it's going to be a good fight. We're looking forward to it. It's, you know, originally it was going to be possibly happening in March. It's now officially been confirmed for May the 5th. That's probably the same date they're talking about for Golovkin and Canelo. So it could be quite a bumper weekend there. But yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's just a shame that we've got to wait, you know, five more months for it, I suppose. WBO Cruiserweight Champion Alexander Usyk will fight WBC Champion Marius Bredis at the Riga Arena in Latvia on January 27th. Yeah, of course, the semi-final of the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament. Um, I'm, you know, I'm quite... I'm quite surprised, really, that it's happening in Latvia, which is obviously the home nation of Maris Bredis. Um, I thought that Usyk would probably have the pulling power there, but no. Uh, I like the way they, you know, I like the way that they're doing this 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 tournament. Anyway, I've said it quite a few times now, so yeah, it's just a, another brilliant fight that we're all looking forward to. It's great that it's happening in, in the first month of the new calendar year. And um, yeah, there's you know there's, there's there's a lot of good fights to look forward to in 2018, and hopefully it's just as good, if not better, than 2017. But it's got you know it's it's, it's going to take quite a lot to outdo this year for sure. And finally, on February 24th, 2018, Saul Rungvasai will face Juan Francisco Estrada uh, for the WBC Super Flyweight title on the Super Flyweight Two card. Yeah, obviously that's the one that they're talking about possibly getting Cal Yafai on. Um, you know, it's, it's a brilliant fight. Everybody's really hyped for that. Obviously, you know, Sorung Savai or, or whatever name you want to call him. He's got a couple of names. He is, you know, arguably, you could you could probably say probably fighter of the year. And I know that we're going to probably talk about our fighters of the year, um, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks. Eyes. But yeah, I definitely think he... You know, he certainly deserves a shout. He's certainly a contender for that. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's going to be a great fight. Yet yeah, again, another fantastic fight that we've got to look forward to in the new year. That's it for the news, yeah, Ayaz? That's it for the news. Okay, thank you, Ayaz. Right, moving over now to the preview part of the show. We're going to move over to Romania. It's happening this Friday. There's a fighter called Bogdan Dinu. He's an unbeaten pro, 17-0. and 0. Um, In the amateurs, he got stopped by Hellenius in the first round. I think that was at the European... Um, championships, but it was it was quite a while ago now. And also, he he, he actually got caught shoplifting in his amateur career and he was banned for life I think that was um, quite a few years back now but yeah in his in his younger days but anyway as a pro he's 17 and oh I didn't even really know he turned pro I don't know how long he's been a pro but yeah he hasn't really made a big impact but anyways he's fighting a man that we know pretty well I suppose Marcelo Luis Nascimento that's the Brazilian um I don't really want to say journeyman, but he's 18 and 15. I remember um, Eddie Chambers fought this guy, went the distance with him. I think it was an eight-rounder that night. This one is for the vacant WBA Continental Heavyweight title, and it's an eight-rounder as well. So, yeah, just thought we'd throw that one out. That's a bit of a wild card, that one. Moving over now to the United States at the Hialeah Park Racing and Casino. Um, This one's going to be on USA Fox Sports 1. 
One fight to mention on this bill. It's a little bit controversial, I suppose. The return of Luis Ortiz, King Kong. He's back in the ring this Friday. His record, 27-0. and And he takes on Daniel Marks, who's 16-5 and with one draw. Daniel Marks recently got stopped in the second round against Brian Jennings, a man that Luis Ortiz, of course, beat. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, this should be quite an easy fight, really. In some ways, it's a bit of a step backwards, and I don't quite know why. But yeah, it's a 10 rounder, so Luis Ortiz will probably smash the living daylights out of Daniel Marks. Moving over now to Russia, there's a funny fight happening over there. Fedor Chudinov, former world champion, 15 and 2, he fights for the vacant WBA international super middleweight title against a guy called Ryan Ford. He's 14 and 0, that's the former, um, well, I don't want to say former because they never actually fought, but he was supposed to fight Anthony Yard a couple of fights back, and he pulled out the fight. He's from Canada, this guy, Ryan Ford, and he's in there against Fedor Chudnov, so that should be a decent fight, but as I say, obviously Anthony Yard being a light heavyweight, so yeah, it seems like Ryan Ford's maybe gone down in weight or something like that, so all the very best to both men over in Russia there. Moving over to Switzerland, there's a funny fight to mention once again. This weekend's littered with strange fights. Arnold the Cobra, the man that fought David Hay in his comeback, his record 30-1 and of course, that one loss to David Hay. I think he's had one fight since then. He knocked a guy out, I'm sure. He takes on big, sexy Sean Turner, who's 11-1. and Obviously, Sean Turner's only loss was to Kamil Sokolowski, who David Price just beat. It's all very interlocked. Um, this one's an eight-rounder, but it's in Switzerland at the Grand Casino in Basel, which is obviously, um, you know, the, the home nation of Arnold Gurjaj, Arnold the Cobra. It's easier to say. Moving over now to the Copperbox Arena, a show that I'm going to be out on Saturday night. There's a few fights on this bill. It's a real packed bill. Um, what have we got? We've got the debut of Harvey Horn. His record, obviously, 0-0. Zero and zero. He takes on a guy called Dennis Bartos, who's 1-0. and oh. That's a four-rounder there. There's a few of the prospects on the bill that are just coming through. You know, some of the guys that have got a, quite a good... Um, you know, name in the in the in the in the boxing business, I suppose, even for just having a couple of fights. But those guys are Umar Sadiq. He returns to the ring once again. It's a four rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. Hamza Shiraz. He's in a four rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. I like Hamza Shiraz. Really impressive debut. I remember being at that. Also, Sanjeev Tohota. He's in a six rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. He looks to move to double figures. He's nine and zero at the moment. Also on the bill, Archie Sharp. 10-0, takes on Rafael Castillo, who's a bit of a journeyman, but that's an 8-round. I'm looking forward to see Archie Sharp back in the ring. Also, Daniel Dubois, the destructive Daniel Dubois, also known as Dynamite Daniel Dubois, Triple D. He's in a 10-round contest, though I don't see it going that long. I don't even see it going half of the distance, to be honest. I think it's probably a two-round job at max. He takes on the Welshman, Dorian Darch, who's 12-5 and with one draw. I remember Dorian Darch took on Anthony Joshua, took on Eddie Chambers. He's game, but, you know, he doesn't really have much resistance, to be honest. Also, what have we got? What have we got? Johnny Garton, 20-1 and one with one draw. Fights for the vacant IBF East and West Europe welterweight title. The, that one's to be announced. The opponent, that's a 12-rounder. Joe Mullander, he's been in a few decent fights recently. He likes to be in those kind of war fights, I suppose. He takes on Lee Churcher, who's 13-3 and three with one draw. That one's for the vacant IBF East and West Europe middleweight title. Also on the bill, Anthony Yard. 
13-0, takes on Nikola Shvetloka, or also known as Coca-Cola Lobster, I think Anthony Yard called him earlier. That one's for Anthony Yard's WBO European light heavyweight title and also his WBO intercontinental light heavyweight title. We're going to go to the predictions as well on this one, I as Obviously, um... You know, Nicholas Shvetlocker, he's been the distance with um, Callum Smith. He's been the distance with Arthur Abraham. He's been the different the, the distance with Tyrone Zoiger. He's been the distance with Sakio Bika. And, of course, he's coming off of a draw to the European champion. Um, his name slipped me just for the second. Completely slipped me. What's your thoughts on this fight, Ayaz? Just a prediction, really. Um, Anthony Yard against Shvetlocker. But Shvetlocker's never been stopped. Let's, let's, you know, let's remind ourselves. Never ever been stopped, been the distance with all these top fighters, only lost two top fighters. Anthony Yard, we think he's going to be a top fighter, but he hasn't proved it yet. What's your thoughts on that fight? Who wins and how? Um, personally, I'm going to go for Anthony Yard. Win. I'll tell you what, he's an upcoming boxer. He's had all knockouts, apart from one where he got a points win. If you look at Anthony Yard, he's the next generation boxers. Him and Danny Dubois. And I'm, I'll tell you one thing, so I've been watching Anthony Yard's fight and he's a very good fight. He's got a lot of power and he's got a lot of technique. So if I'm going to go for a win, I'm going to go for Anthony Yard knockout. And the fight I'd like to see him, if he wins that, is him versus Frank Bullioni. And I reckon he'll beat Bullioni as well. Yeah, it's a big call. It's a big call. But yeah, um, certainly some mouth-watering clashes for Anthony Yard down the line. I'm going to go with Yard to win by knockout as well. I think he will become the first man to stop Nikola Shvetlocker. And also, the listeners have voted on that. They've gone with Yard to win by knockout also. So we're all in agreement there. Um, moving up the bill once again, James DeGale defended his IBF World Super Middleweight title against Caleb Truax, who is... Uh, 28 and three with two draws. Obviously, James DeGale 23 and one with one draw. Um, it's a 12 round contest. I'm looking forward to see James DeGale get back in the ring, especially you know being it in London. He hasn't fought in London for a long time now. It's a bit of a homecoming for him. Obviously, he's with BT and Box Nation for this fight as well. We don't know too much about the opponent. I don't think. I know that he, you know, he hasn't really got any great wins on his record. I think it's going to be a routine. Um, easy victory for James DeGau, in my opinion. Um, once again, as we're going to go for the predictions on this, how do you see DeGau winning this fight? One thing is first start. I can't wait for James. I can't wait for this fight. First of all, it's the return of James DeGau. He doesn't get a, not, a lot of credit, in my opinion. First of all, yeah, I will tell you why. First Olympic, uh, first Olympic gold medalist to win a world world title. Who's he for? Andre Durrell. He went. He went all the way to America to beat Andre Durrell. Then he went on to fight Lucien Boutte. He beat Boutte on points. Then he went on to fight, beat Medina, and now he's and then he fought Badu Jack, and he drew Badu Jack. In my opinion, that was a very good fight year. But one thing is, I like Digger. I think he personally in this in this side this fight year, he'll win, and I reckon he's going to win by easy knockout as well. Another knockout year. Now the thing is, Digger, he's been out of the ring for so long because why? He's had a shoulder injury. He's been out with a shoulder. I remember watching reading one of his interviews. He said. He's like he's got a, he's got a shoulder pain, and every time he was throwing that the left hook here, his shoulder was hurting. Hopefully, if he wins on Saturday, I'll tell you what, he'll fight the winner of the Ali tournament. But the fight I want to see him in the future is him versus Chris Eubank Jr. I think that would be a mouthwatering fight. 
yeah, I mean, it, it is a good fight when you, when you think about it. But obviously, the Eubank Jr. against Groves is no given. I mean, if Eubank Jr. loses to Groves, then I, I probably would rather see the Groves rematch. I mean, it's just getting bigger and bigger. But at the same time, if Groves loses to Eubank, then you know that fight takes that that whole fight between you know Groves and and Degau in in the rematch kind of takes a bit of a hit. Um, I'm going to go with Degal by knockout, and our listeners have also gone with Degal by knockout. So, so far, we're all in agreement with each other, so that's a good thing, I suppose. It seems like we all, well, we all think we know what we're talking about. Let's, let's hopefully all be right. And I don't really know if it's the main event, but, you know, top of the bill, I suppose, in some ways. Lee Selby, 25-1, and one, defending his IBF World Featherweight title against Eduardo Ramirez. Eduardo Ramirez never been stopped, 20-0 and 0 with three draws. An unbeaten Mexican, a guy that we don't really know too much about, in all honesty. But, you know, he's, he's a tough, tough guy. Um, it's, it's another fight that we're going to predict on IAS. How do you see that one playing out, Selby and Ramirez? I like Selby. I think he's a very talented fighter. I, I want him to see him in a big fight now. He deserves a big fight after this fight. We know that the next fight he's going to fight is most likely going to be Josh Warrington. I think Selby's a very technical boxer, but he doesn't have a lot of power in him because if you look at his knockouts, he's only got nine knockouts. So if I'm going to go for a win, I'm going to go for a Selby win, but on points. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. As I'm going with Selby on points as well. And also, the listeners have gone with the same thing. So all three fights, we're all together on the predictions. Um, what I do want to point out also, the, the Anthony Yard poll is really quite staggering. Even though this guy has never been stopped, 923 votes so far on the poll. And 91% went with Yard by knockout. That is huge. Also, 5% went with Yard on points. Um, 1% went with Shvetlocker on points and, and 3% went with Shvetlocker by knockout. I don't see that happening, but wow, it's it's unbelievable how many people think Yard's going to win this by knockout. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think he's going to win the fight. And also, one other little quick fact I'm going to throw in there about Nicholas Shvetlocker. He actually won a fight once upon a time, as I'm not even joking. He won a fight. It was outdoor. And he was, you know, he was fighting this other guy and it started raining really heavy and they stopped the fight and he actually got a win for that. He actually got a win because it rained. How about that? Stick that one in your fact file. Moving over now to the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino Event Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Another great, great card, this one. There's a few good fights on it. Um, Denis Shafikov, 38-3 and three with one draw. He's in a 10-rounder against Rene Alvarado. Uh, that should be decent, I suppose. Orlando Salido tops the bill, though. 44-13 and 13 with four draws. He takes on Miguel Roman, who is having his 70th fight, his record with 57 and 12. That's um, you know a bit of a Mexican um, bust up. That one that should be quite good. I think that's going to be a tough fight for both guys, really. Also on the real, Francisco Vargas, former world champion, 23 and one with two draws. He's in a 12 rounder against our very own Stephen Smith, 25 and three. That will be a really, really good fight. Hopefully, Stephen Smith can pull the W out the bag. I remember speaking to Tevin Farmer a couple of weeks ago. He said that he is with Stephen Smith. He believes Stephen Smith's going to win. And of course, the main event here, Tevin. Tevin Farmer, 25-4 with one draw. 
fighting for the vacant IBF World Super Featherweight title against Kenichi Ogawa, the Japanese fighter. He's only lost one fight. His record's 22-1, and one, and that one fight that he lost, he avenged, so he's no mug. And obviously, we've talked about it a few times now, Billy Dibb is in place to fight the winner. Um, you know, that's going to be a really good fight. I haven't really seen much of Ogawa, but from what I've heard, he's supposed to be really, really good. Tevin Farmer, obviously, since he started taking boxing serious, he is, you know really come on as a fighter, really turned into a force and really turned into a legitimate world contender. Um, obviously, we know about his outside of the ring troubles. He got shot in the hand recently. He couldn't even close his fist. He was telling me a couple of weeks ago um, for quite a while. So, it's, it's, it's really kind of unknown what he's going to be like in a fight like this. He's going to definitely have to throw his hands a lot to win this fight. So it's going to be interesting about that. But yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's a tough ask really for Tevin Farmer. But I really, really, really hope he can get the victory. But yeah, it should be a real tough fight this one. It's, it's, it's one that I'm really looking forward to. I think it's going to be on Sky Sports if I'm not mistaken. So there's a lot to watch on TV this weekend. And now moving over to... That one's going to be on HBO by the way in the US. Moving over to the Madison Square Garden Theatre in New York, New York, USA. This one, a top-ranked promotion on ESPN. Boy, oh boy, this is a great card. Shakur Stevenson, 3-0, takes on Oscar Mendoza, who's 4-2. That's a six-rounder there. Michael Conlon's in the ring. His record, 4-0. He's in a six-rounder against Luis Fernando Molina, who's 7-3 with one draw. Uh, Bryant Jennings, 20-2 with... Um, with zero draws, Bryant Jennings. He takes on Don Hainsworth, who's 13 and one with one draw. It's a bit of a um, lackluster fight, I think. I think Bryant Jennings should steamroll him, really. That's an eight rounder there. Christopher Diaz, 21 and 0, takes on Bryant Cruz, 18 and 2. That's for the vacant WBO, NABO super featherweight title. That should be quite a good fight there. And the main event, of course, I as this is the fight of the weekend. This is a super, super, super fight. This is a fight that's sincerely gone under the radar as well. Severely, I should say, gone under the radar. Vasyl Lomachenko, 9-1, putting his WBO super featherweight title on the line against Guillermo Rigondo, 17-0. What a fight. I'm going to come to you, as Take it away. What a fight. Oh, what this is what you call a fight. This is what you call a fight now. Now, if you look at this yet, for example, when Mayweather versus McGregor happened, everyone was um, saying, oh, yes, Mayweather, McGregor, Mayweather, McGregor. When Canelo Golovkin happened, the same thing. If you look at these two, yeah, they have four Olympic gold medals between the two of them. Rigonda has two Olympic gold medals. Vasil Lomachenko has two uh, Olympic gold medals. These are two pound-for-pound fighters going head-to-head. They're both so talented. They're both so skillful. And they both are, they both are very technical. This is what you call a real boxing match now. If you look at this fight, Vasil Lomachenko, in his second fight, fought for a world title but lost to Salida and then went on, went on and beat up uh, Gary Russell Jr., I feel sorry for Rigondo. The thing is, he's called out so many fights, but they all ducked him. Every single fight he's called out, he wanted to fight. Cramp Hampton, didn't happen. Scott Quick, didn't happen. Santa Cruz, didn't happen. Mares, didn't happen. And finally, he called out Lomachenko, and Lomachenko t- took the fight. This is going to be a very tough fight, yeah? At first, I said 50-50, yeah? But then I'm looking at I'm looking at yeah? Rigondo's moving up. I've, I've got a feeling the weight might be too big for him. So if I'm going to go for a winner, I'm going to go for Vasil Lomachenko on points, but a very tight, tight decision. But I do feel sorry for Rigondo because the thing is, if Rigondo does do this fight, he loses his WBA title on top. So I'm still going to go for a Lomachenko win on points. 
Yeah, um, he's moving up to super feather, just under lightweight. But no, I understand what you're saying. He's moving up two weight classes here, Rigondo. And again, I, I, you know, I feel sorry for him as well because he's been calling out so many guys. Literally two weight classes of of world class fighters have have ducked him. Really, I mean, who wants to fight Rigondo? He's he's unfortunately been one of those guys in the Who Needs Him club. He's a guy that you will lose to almost almost surely. And you know, there's there's no big reward for fighting him you know he's, he's he's obviously he doesn't speak english he's not really the most marketable fighter he's not marketable at all to be honest so he's had a few um you know issues with with the promotional side of things obviously he linked up with frank warren for a little while he came over and broke jazza dickens jaw in a couple of rounds and then since then he's just kind of you know, he had that fight last time out, which he arguably could have got disqualified from. It's, it's just not really gone great for him recently. And, you know, he's had to move up two weight classes to do this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where he's taking a huge, huge risk here. I'm sure that he would have been rewarded very well for it. But it's a big, big risk. If he loses this fight... It's going to impact his his legacy big time, and it shouldn't do because, like you said, it's two pound for pound fighters facing off against each other. That's what it is. But this is such a fight which which has got everybody divided on. Once again, not us, by the way. I've gone with Lomachenko on points. So have you, and also the listeners have gone with Lomachenko on points as well. But this is a fight which is just it's really for the purists. This this could be a fight which isn't that that much action packed, or it can also be a real you know a real chess match it can also be a really fun fight i actually think it will be a fun fight just to mention anyway um lomachenko to win on points was the most popular answer from the listeners and second was rigondo on points so not many people going with a knockout but what i will say the the one surprising thing is the next thing to happen is rigondo to win by knockout, so the listeners believe there's more chance of Rigondo getting the knockout over Lomachenko, which I find quite interesting, really. Um, you know, Lomachenko has obviously got the size, he's, he's the taller guy, he's, he's the bigger guy physically, naturally. Um, I, I think he's probably... He's probably the the quicker. He's probably got the quicker punches. Really, he's probably the the faster fighter. Uh, you know, the faster hands. I think he's got the speed on his side. He's definitely got the footwork on his side as well. But for Rigondo, I mean, one thing that they say, obviously, we all know it that that timing beats speed. I think Rigondo's also got quite a, quite a bit of power as well. I think underrated power, really. So, you know, there's there's a lot here to to look out for for Lomachenko. But I think Lomachenko is going to be the one center of the ring. Pressing the action, coming forward a lot. I think Rigondo's going to be quite happy to sit on the back foot, do what he does best, and counter punch Lomachenko. I think the early few rounds may be, well, I think they're going to be really interesting no matter what happens, but I think those rounds might be quite close, maybe. And then as the fight goes on, I think Lomachenko, it's, it's, it's completely vital that he sets a fast pace because obviously he's the younger guy. He's in some ways a fresher guy, even though he had a mountain of amateur fights. I think he's really looking the fresher of the two. And I think that if he sets a fast pace for the duration of the fight, I think in the second half of the fight he could possibly pull away. But I don't see any man being stopped. I think it's definitely a points fight and I'm going to side with Lomachenko. So once again, every fight so far, we're all in agreement with each other but yeah that is a huge fight 
cannot wait to get home on Saturday night from the Copper Box and get tuned in for this one. This is going to be absolutely colossal. I cannot wait for this fight. What a super fight. Like I say, it's up there with you know, Golovkin and, and Canelo. It really, really is. But unfortunately, it hasn't been given nowhere near the credit. But yeah, what a fight. And it could end up being, you know... It's definitely up there with a fight of one of the fights of the year for sure. But it could end up being a fantastic fight. It could end up being a little bit lackluster. We'll have to wait and see. But how intriguing! Anyways, moving over now to China. There's one fight to mention over here: the six foot six Southpaw undefeated heavyweight Zalil Zhang, eighteen and zero. He puts his WBO Oriental heavyweight title on the line against a guy called Herb Hobu, who's twenty eight and two. So we thought we'd throw that out there. That one's happening in the Asia Games stadium in China. Moving over now to next Wednesday, of course, it's one of those scenarios where we have to talk about the fights that, um, you know, that, that's going to be happening, and next week, by the time the show goes out, these fights would have already taken place. So we're going to talk about the fights that's happening next Wednesday, the 13th of December. We're going to start in the outback in the Convention and Exhibition Centre in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Jeff Horn, 17-0, with one draw, puts his WBO World Welterweight title on the line against Gary Corcoran, our very own Gary Corcoran. Of course, this is the belt that Horn ripped away from Manny Pacquiao um, a few months ago. Gary Corcoran, obviously, 17-1, and that only one loss coming to... Liam Williams, Gary Corcoran, uh, you know, he was fighting at a weight, we've got to remember this, he was fighting at a weight which was 154, you know, junior middleweight, he was fighting at that weight which really wasn't his weight, and he was he was a good fighter, he was unbeaten until he, you know, got in there against Liam Williams, who in my opinion is a future world champion, so he's moved down to 147, he's had a good fight um, at that weight, he's only had one fight at that weight recently, and yeah, here he goes against a world champion here, Jeff Horn, a man that some people say you know, he chose the right night to beat Pacquiao, but he was very, very awkward, he's got really weird footwork, you know, he steps in and steps out, he's got a bit of a herky-jerky style, I don't really want to talk too much about the, the tactics of this fight, I just think that, you know, Gary Corcoran's definitely got to rough him up, definitely got to get on the inside, I don't really want to see him standing and trading with Jeff Horn, I think Jeff Horn has got a bit of a snap in his shot, I think that, um, you know, Jeff Horn, like I say, where he's so unpredictable and a bit herky-jerky, you don't really want to let him get into a rhythm, which I think Manny Pacquiao did let him do, so hopefully Gary Corcoran can go into that fight with the right game plan and pull off the win, I'm really, really hoping he can do that, he's a friend of the show, he's a friend of mine, and we are certainly behind him, but now we come to the predictions eyes where it might seem like we're not behind him entirely but however, I am a loyal man, I'm sticking with Corcoran to win on points, our listeners by the way have chose Horn to win this fight on points as well but Ayers, how do you see it? I'm going to go for a Horn win on points Horn win on points, okay so the same as the listeners right, that's it for Australia I don't think there's much else on the undercard there um, in fact, there's one fight I'm going to mention. Alex Leopold. I haven't seen him for quite a while. I remember he lost to Malik Scott. That's the most recent fight I remember him being in. Anyway, Alex Leopold, 31 and 7 with three draws. He takes on Roger Izomritel, who is 12 and 6. That's an eight rounder there. Uh, yeah, that's all really on the undercard. That one's going to be on ESPN in the USA. 
Friday. It's also going to be on Box Nation in the UK, of course. That one's going to be on Wednesday. But I'm not quite sure how it really works with the timing. I'm not sure. I think Australians are behind us, maybe, in time. So that might be like a like an afternoon no, sorry. Show. Australia ahead of us. Okay, so, so if it's going to be like Wednesday night in Australia, it'll be Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon over here. So, yeah, there's going to be the Wednesday morning... Um, a Wednesday morning fight then and then of course later on in the day in UK time at the York Hall in Bethnal Green London United Kingdom world title fight over there Katie Taylor defending and making her first defense of her WBA world female lightweight title Katie Taylor 7-0 takes on Jessica McCaskill the the uh, the lady from the US her record 5 and 1 it's of course scheduled for 10 2 minute rounds Jessica McCaskill's got a bit of an interesting story I think she's been also engaging in a bit of trash talk mainly coming from her side of things rather than Katie Taylor who you know seems to just be going through her career in a perfect light at the moment really you know non controversial saying all the right things one thing about Katie Taylor what's up with her eyes she always sounds i don't want to i don't want to be be horrible here but she always sounds like she's out of breath have you noticed that i've never noticed that to be honest oh man every interview she always sounds like she's out of breath it's mad like even when she's not been you know not been fighting like even at the press conference she always kind of says what she says and then takes a big deep breath it's really kind of weird so um yeah, Katie Taylor 7-0, and Jessica McCaskill 5-1, and hopefully Katie Taylor prevails and defends successfully the belt here, um, I'm hoping to be at that show by the way, um, also on the bill, it's a bit of a star-studded bill I suppose, Martin J. Ward 18-0 and with two draws, he fights for the vacant EBU super featherweight title against Julie Jenner who is, it's not a girl, by the way, it's, it's a man called Julie Jenner. His record, 21-2, and two, with one draw. Um, I don't know too much about Julie Jenner. I, I, I don't really know much about him, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I do. But, yeah, I mean, Martin J. Ward, I'm liking the fact that he's obviously, you know, stepping up. He's obviously won the British title out right now, I think. So he's he seems like he's relinquished that, and he's now gone on to fight for the EBU title, which is obviously, you know, a really good title. But one fight that one fight that we mentioned earlier on in the show, Orlando Salido, he's gonna be fighting this weekend against Miguel Roman. Well, um Julie Jinner lost to Miguel Roman. He was stopped by him. And I think one of his other losses may have come early on. Can't remember who it was to now, but this guy's from Spain and um obviously, you know, we're riding with Martin J. Ward to get the win here. It's a 12 rounder that one. All the very best to Martin J. Ward. I like him. I like him as a European um, fighter as well. I think he's he, he could win this fight, but I'm happy that it's for the proper EBU European title. Also on this bill, a brilliant, brilliant fight. Jake Ball, 10-1. and one. We're going to be speaking to him shortly. He fights for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Light Heavyweight title against Miles Shinkwin, 14-2. and two. We had Miles on a couple of weeks ago, so yeah, I'm really deeply invested in this fight. I really like both guys. Made a best man win, but it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fight, that one. I really am looking forward to it. Also on the bill, Josh Kelly, 4-0. He takes on a guy who's 25-8 and with three draws, a guy called John Hamilcaro. I haven't really heard of him, but it's a 10-rounder there. 
it's, it's, it's obviously a step up. I mean, the one thing I do know about this guy is that he, he, he got stopped by Jack Corkai, obviously, former world champion, so there's no real shame in that. But yeah, he's been at a higher level. He's a French native, and, you know, it's a step up for Josh Kelly. I like the way they're moving Josh Kelly in particular. I think he's... Um, you know, he's a guy that they're, they're fast-tracking, and I like that. And, you know, Adam Booth in his corner, he's the right man, in my opinion. They seem to get on like a house on fire. I'm loving all the pad work. I'm loving all the training videos. Josh Kelly truly does look like the real deal. And coming down to the last couple of fights before we, um, you know, wrap up the preview in, Ted Cheeseman, 11-0. and 0, He takes on Tony Dixon, who's 10-1. and 1. That's an eight-rounder. That's another step up there for Ted Cheeseman. But I do want to see a title on the line, really, for Ted Cheeseman. Cheeseman's upcoming fights. I think he's, you know, he's spent enough time now fighting guys that, you know, have come and tested him a little bit, but he's ultimately beaten quite easily. But this should be a step up, so looking forward to that one. Also on the bill, Joe Caldina, 5-0. His opponent yet to be announced. That's an eight-rounder there. Um... Gamal Yafai, 12 and 0. He takes on Jamie Spate. That's an eight rounder. Jamie Spate, 15 and 18. Um, you know, Jamie Spate is he's gonna get pummeled, I think. He got stopped by um who who did he get stopped by? He got stopped by Reese Bellotti, I think. I'm sure he stopped him, and also he got stopped, I think, by um Joe Caldina, so yeah, you know, he's he's lost a few fights now, Jamie Spate, he was also fighting on the Groves and Cox undercard, if I'm not mistaken, I think he lost that night as well, so he's racked up a few losses recently, and Gamal Yafai, I think, is going to beat him as well. Uh, also on the bill, Felix Cash, he's in a six-rounder, his record 6-0, and he takes on Greg O'Neill, who's 5-3, and three. and also, Connor Benny gets out again, his record 10-0, and o. it's a six-rounder there, his opponent yet to be announced, and finally, Lawrence Okola, 6-0, his opponent yet to be announced also, I did think that Isaac Chamberlain was going to be on this bill, but it seems like he's been pulled off of it, so I'm not quite sure why, and obviously you know, it seems like he won't be having a fight before the supposed meet on the 3rd of February Sorry. against what? He was injured, that's why Oh, he's injured. Okay, my bad. All right, I didn't know that. I should know that. I was playing Call of Duty with him the other night, about 3 in the morning but yeah, he... um He's been pulled off the bill, so yeah. It's a shame, really, because I, I hope he's ready for the for the February 3rd fight with Akoli, but I would have liked to see him get out just once more before that fight, both on the same card. So, obviously, that was the plan. I'm kind of stealing Eddie Hearn's idea. That was what was supposed to happen, but we're only going to see Akoli. So, hopefully, Akoli bags some, some, some important rounds before he takes on Chamberlain. That should be a really, really great fight. Once again, it's not really on the, uh, you know, on the, on the very top level, that fight, obviously in terms of the super fights that we've got to look forward to for 2018 but for me personally it is one that I'm certainly looking forward to but that really wraps up the previewing we've done all the talking we've done the reviewing we brought you guest number one Anthony Yard we brought you the news we brought you the previewing just there it's now time to welcome a man that's going to be fighting in just a few days also it's of course Jake Ball Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the light heavyweight knockout artist. It's Mr. Jake the Blade Ball. Jake, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, Jake, we last spoke in September, not too long ago. It was just after your last fight, a win against Joe Sheriff. Brilliant fight, that one. Obviously, your next fight will be next Wednesday at York Hall on the Katie Taylor undercard. One thing I'm happy about, above all, though, is the actual fact that a world title fight is coming to York Hall. Get in. Yeah, well, I think it's great. Well, you listen, York Hall, absolutely 
amazing venue. I, I've boxed there four times as a pro. Absolutely, uh, absolutely love it. Like the atmosphere there is, is electric. I think it's great for the fans. The fans are right on top of the ring, but um, there's not a bad seat in there. So yeah, so I, it's absolutely, it's be a great show. It's gonna be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I certainly am also. And obviously, you'll be facing Miles Shinkwin, another light heavyweight prospect, so to speak. Do you know much about him at all, Jake? Yeah, no, no, I don't really know um, much about Shinkwin. Obviously, um, he's a good, um, a good opponent. I mean, 14-2, and two, so I um, can't knock him. Um, he, he's come there to win. So, But that's the sort of fights I want to be in. You know, I, I want to be in sort of fights where, obviously, he, he wants that belt as much as I do. So, um, yeah, it's gonna, I think it's going to be another great Yorkal, Yorkal fight. Yeah, you've been involved in a few of them, of course. Now, I spoke to Miles on this show a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that um, the two guys that he lost to, as you mentioned, they're fourteen and two. Obviously, he lost to Jose Alberto. We know, you know, he's a top fighter. He also lost to Joel McIntyre. Maybe not so much, but he believed that both of those fighters that he lost to were were, were better boxers than obviously the one fight that you that you lost, which was to J.J. McDonough in a fight where he actually admitted you kind of got caught cold. I think it wasn't like you were outmatched or anything like that. I think we all realised uh, you were caught cold. Um, yeah, I just really wanted to know if, 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 if you look into things like that at all or do you agree with that or has he got it wrong? How do you see that? No, no. It's just the thing, is If he's looking at that fight as J.J. McDonough was a better fighter than me, then he can look at it as he wants. Um I lost that fight myself. I know exactly what I've done wrong in that fight. Um, but it, it, I cast in the past now. Obviously, I've come back strong. Um, coming off a great win from Joe Sheriff. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward just to, just, to, just to put on a great show next Wednesday. Yeah, well said, well said. And obviously, you hadn't gone past four rounds until your last fight where you went ten. How important do you feel it was to bank those ten rounds before facing Miles Shinquin? Obviously, this is going to be a ten-rounder. Miles has had, I think he's had five ten-rounders and one twelve-rounder, albeit most of them haven't gone the distance, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, that's right. No, listen, it was great. I'll say, it's another box kicked, obviously, on it. it, it in that pro career journey, um, I had um a great second round in my last fight. Obviously, I thought the fight was going to be stopped, but um, then again, I'm glad now it wouldn't stop because it gave me that experience. Obviously, after having a heavy blowout in the second round, I had to regroup myself. Obviously, deal with the situation with my hands. Obviously, different obstacles, and um, and got a good a good a good pace, fast, hard ten rounds out. So. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's another box tick, and, and now I'm going into to December 13th knowing that I can, I can do, the, I'm do the 10 rounds of ease, and I'm looking forward just to putting a show on. Yeah, you mentioned there the hand. That's one thing I kind of forgot about a little bit. The hand's all good now, Jake? Yeah, everything's good, mate. Everything's perfect now, yeah. Everything's sweet. Okay, and also, yeah, as you mentioned there, that fight going the ten rounds, I could just, I could just see it watching that fight. It was such a great fight. It was a fight where, you know, um, obviously you had a fantastic start, as you mentioned. It, it was a fight where, in the middle rounds, um, you know, Joe Sheriff was kind of coming on maybe the second half, and you know, you, you certainly, I felt you, you would have certainly learned a lot from that fight. I mean, that was a brilliant fight to have before stepping up a little bit. If you, I mean, it is, it is kind of a step up, I suppose. You know thereabouts but above above all is obviously that you mentioned there the WBA intercontinental title being on the line whoever wins this fight will 
then become world ranked. It's a belt that um, you know a few a few previous world title challengers have held. Um, you know what more motivation really could you need? But do you not feel that this is perhaps a tiny bit? quick to kind of be jumping in and and you know invading those world rankings um or 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 is it is it pretty much like you may win this fight then kind of look back at british level i mean where are you at in terms of all that yeah well well, the thing is that at the moment like december 13th is the only date that's on our mind so once we get out of the way then obviously we can um what's next but now like obviously whatever whatever fights whatever also be whoever I face, um, that's down to the likes of Eddie and, and Jimmy Mack. So whoever they put me in the ring with, it's because it's the right time for me, and, and, and I'm ready to to make that step. And I think this is a uh, is going to be um another one of those fights where it's the right time. It's, it, it's a great a great step up because in the Martian Quinn, like I'm, he's a good fighter. Got a lot of respect for him. So yeah, so so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And your gym mate, James DeGale, he's defending his world title on Saturday. How's he been looking in the gym, Jake? Firing on all cylinders? Yeah, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, the pair of us have been on fire for the last few weeks now. Yeah, he's fighting Saturday, so um, best of luck to him. And um, yeah, I'm just looking, obviously, um, Jimmy Max had a busy few weeks, obviously, preparing him, getting me ready. So, um, yeah, so after we get our, our wins, well, I'm pretty sure we'll all have a nice Christmas. Absolutely. Jimmy Mack's a man that doesn't really need any time off, really. He's he's an unbelievable human being, uh, someone that's... uh you know, very much involved in the game, not just mentally, but also physically. It really is an incredible thing. Also on Saturday night, a fight down at the lower weights. Jake, I don't know if you're, um, you know, too interested in it really, but, you know, a lot of the boxing purists are mad about this one. Rigondo and Lomachenko. Yeah. Have you got any opinion on that one? Yeah, no, uh, it's one of the fights I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, it's one of the fights where I think it's happening at the right time as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, I'm, and I believe it. it's going to be a, a great fight. Yeah, I think we're all hoping it it is. And coming down to the last couple of questions now, I've only got two left for you, Jake. I just want to ask you this as well. Um, I asked this to Miles a couple of weeks back. I asked him for his prediction about the fight with you. He didn't really give me a definitive answer. He just kind of said, you know, he believes he's going to be the man having his hand raised. I want to ask you the same question. Do you have any kind of prediction that you can give us for this fight come Wednesday? The prediction I give on all my fights is... is to, to win, either if it's by knockout or, or by points, 100% I'll be coming home December 13th with the belt. And the final question, as it's the month of December, we like to ask everybody this question, Jake, we've always done it. Um, what is on your Christmas wish list for your career, you know, in terms of your boxing career for next year in a realistic world? Where would you like to be, where do you believe you can be this time next year? Um, well, well, this time next year, obviously, like, I don't really like to, not, not to, to look ahead of me, to be honest with you. Obviously, I want to get December 13th out of the way, but I'll Obviously, after December 13th, next year, I always want to be hunting for titles. So, so whatever belt, obviously, Eddie Earn and Jimmy Max put me towards, whoever they got them, that's who I'm going for. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Good answer there. All right, listen, Jake, it's always a pleasure. You know that. Best of luck for Wednesday. May the best man win, and I'm sure that we will speak again very soon. No, thank you, Joe, mate. It's a pleasure. 
Okay, and that wraps up episode 112 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. Best of luck in their respective fights, and thank you to our two guests, Anthony Yard and, of course, Mr. Jake Ball. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. It always means a lot. The listeners are currently on 18 points in the Prediction League. Ias is on 16, and I'm on 14. Enjoy your weekends, people. There's lots of boxing, so I'm sure you will have a good one, and we'll see See you next week.